Everything he does, every move he takes, every, uh, uh, every mode, M-O-D-E, is based out of love. Jesus was walking in love when he said to that woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Remember that? That was a loving moment. But Jesus was always also walking in love when he turned over money changers tables. You can't say that anything that he does is not based out of love. Of course, some things he does because he wants to do because it's in his heart to do. Some things he does because he has to do it because after multiple opportunities to change, people have still not yet changed. But I got to tell you, I believe that today in this place that the Lord is going to go ahead and, and lovingly give us an opportunity. And I mean us because I'm talking to the man in the mirror. I'm talking to the man in the mirror. Oh, Lord. So this is for all of us. And God wants to go ahead and give us a, a loving nudge, maybe a loving kick, but something that will bless us. And if we heed the word, we'll go ahead and do our lives good. Praise the Lord. Why don't you take a look at a verse of scripture today, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says, brothers and sisters... We urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. Now that's a nice list, praise the Lord. But you know which one of those on the list we're going to do today? We're going to warn those who are lazy. Oh Lord. So we're going to talk to you about the cure for spiritual laziness. All right? Someone said, I'm glad I came to church. Hey. <laughs> the cure for spiritual laziness. Now, there's multiple words you find in Scripture uh, that indicate laziness in some form or the other. One word is slothful. Anybody ever come across that word in Scripture before? Of course, you know, I guess some things determine or determined by what translation you might be reading. Some words are more Old English and archaic, and, and some just put it out there where whatever the, the old word was, just call it all lazy because it's all lumped up into the lazy category. But slothfulness is a word that's often been used and people have heard before. Uh, and slothful, not to be confused with slothful. See, slothful is what you do is when you go to the hills of Connecticut and spend too much money. Come on now. Look out, look out somebody, I'm messing with you. Don't be spending your tithe money on that. Hey, no. <laughs> but I'm not about slothfulness, we're talking about slothfulness. Uh, uh, another word that the scripture uses is uh, to, to be a sluggard. A sluggard is just very simply a lazy person. Another word it uses is slack or slackness. Now, slackness is not putting enough care and attention or energy into something. It's not that you're not putting any. Fine line here. It's not that you're not putting any into it. It's that you're not putting enough into it. 
So you might do it a little bit, but you're not doing it well enough. And, uh, of course, we have often heard the word slacker. Anybody ever called a, been called a slacker before? Someone who avoids work or effort? Come on now. So, bottom line is that to, to succeed in this walk, we've got to do what we've got to do. We've got to do it how we need to do it. And we've got to do it no matter how hard it is. Once again, you've got to do what you've got to do. And you've got to do it how you need to do it. And you need to do it no matter how hard it is. Like Paul said to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You, you remember that in the Bible? Of course, I got my own translation of that. It's summed up real simple. Suck it up, buttercup. Hey. No excuses. No buts and ifs. You know you got to do it. You know the Lord said it. All the excuses are out the window. All the whatabouts are out the window. We're just going to very simply be doers of the word. Dangers of spiritual laziness. Lord knows there's a few of those. One thing is that people that are lazy, and let me say this real quick before we get into this, is that spiritual laziness and laziness in the natural sense of the word are not far apart from each other. Very often, somebody who has good spiritual habits and spiritual disciplines will have the same in the natural. So it's interesting, even though we're specifically addressing spiritual laziness today, you, you know, uh, the, these same things apply to natural laziness. And, and you know, it, it's, it's interesting how in the spirit, if you're disciplined, you can naturally be more disciplined. And if in the natural you're disciplined, you, you actually set yourself up to make it easier to be more spiritually disciplined. So if you deal with laziness, you really, in one sense of the word, you get to deal with it across the board when you really deal with it. Amen. Amen. Now, Jeremiah the prophet said uh, that the one who does the work of the Lord negligently or with slackness is cursed. I don't want to be cursed. I mean, Jesus paid a very dear price so that we could be redeemed of the from the curse, and so that we could enjoy the blessing of Abraham. I don't want to be under the curse. Well, being lazy, actually the person who is lazy and does the work of the Lord negligently or with slackness is cursed. As a matter of fact, that same verse over in um, uh, the message translation, and just for your sake of reference, it's Jeremiah 48.10, but the message says this, the sloppy work in God's name is cursed. Sloppy work in God's name is cursed. I don't want to represent him or say I'm doing something in his name that is an offering that is not the best it can be. Amen. You know, in the Old Testament times when they came to the Lord to sacrifice an animal, God said, I don't want no broken legged lamb. You're going to go ahead and give something to me. Give your best to me. And that same principle true here. 
when you're doing the work of the Lord, you don't want to go ahead and give God something that's that half cooked. That that is, uh, well, well, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I did something for the boss last week, but the boss is the boss. The, the Lord will understand. Well, I'll tell you what. You don't want to go ahead and wait to Judgment Day and find out how well the Lord understands that you are shortcutting on him and not giving him your all. He deserves your best. My goodness. If anybody deserves your best, God deserves your best. You know, I, I heard the story of somebody who was in a recording session and and, and uh, they had hired some guys to, to play um, uh, who were some of the, the best at their instruments that, that uh, were at least accessible or available at the time. And they were working on something and the guitarist was uh, uh, working on something, but it wasn't quite there yet. And, uh, and, and so the person over the project said, we need to do that again. And the guitarist said, well, this is good enough for a gospel song. Oh, no. Those be fighting words, y'all. As though if this were uh, anything else, then you go ahead and do it as many times as you got to do it. But if it's gospel, then you just, well, it'll make do. No, when you're doing something for the Lord, you don't give God something that's half cooked. You give God your very best. Come on, are you with me today? And it's a choice because you can choose to be lazy about it. But with laziness is a curse, as we just alluded to, that verse in Jeremiah. And what else does the scripture say? That God has set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. It's a choice. I don't want to choose a curse. I don't want to choose a curse in my own life because I'm too lazy to go ahead and do something right, to follow through on it and bring it all the way to full completion. I'm not looking to serve a turkey on the table that's still pink. We want the turkey cooked, y'all. Come on. If you want to do that to your guest on Thanksgiving Day, don't do that to the Lord. You know why? Because the Lord wants to say, well done. Hey. I felt that moment there. <laughs> Laziness will keep you out of the promised land. Anybody ever heard of the promised land? If you're new to the scripture, uh, the, the Bible talks about that the, the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. And then uh, God brought them out of Egypt. They went through the Red Sea on dry ground, a mighty, mighty deliverance. And it wasn't that long of a journey for them to get to the promised land. It wasn't that long of a journey. But they were in the wilderness for 40 years on their way there. It's interesting that when Jesus started his ministry, he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Nobody avoids the wilderness, but I got to tell you, I prefer something closer to the 40-day plan than the 40-year plan. And most of those people didn't even get in. As a matter of fact, the scripture is clear that only those who were 20 age, years, uh, age 20 and under got into the promised land. And all those other complaining doubters died out in the wilderness. How sad that is. So laziness will keep you out of the promised land. So even though God provided it, 
even though God spoke it and set it into motion, it can be yours in the sense that God has already given it to you, yours in the sense that God has already declared it so, and still go without it? Perish the thought. Come on now. So the promised land is not just something for Israel, but for us, it's the ultimate fulfillment of God's purpose for us in this life. It's the ultimate fruitfulness that God wants your life to have. It's the reaching of your destiny, the fulfilling of what God has called you to do on planet Earth. And this does not just happen. It's yours, but you got to go get it. Someone say, go get it. Go get it. The prophet Obadiah dropped this word. He said that the house of Jacob will possess their possession. And if you think about that, well, if it's my possession, why do I need to possess it? And yet you do. You can have something that is legally yours. You got the paperwork to prove it's yours. But if you don't go get it and actually uh, take hold of it, where it's not just yours on paper, but it's actually in your hands, you can have a paper and die with a paper. You can have documentation and die with documentation. But I don't want to go my life without entering into the fullness of the promised land that God's got for me. No, as a matter of fact, back in those times, they talked about the land flowing with milk and honey. And they talked about grapes that were so big and juicy that you would have a cluster of them and you weren't just holding them like this. No, as a matter of fact, one guy had one end and the other guy had the other end and they're carrying a cluster like that. Big old juicy grapes. What a place to live. And how sad to miss it when you don't have to. Joshua 18 Verse 3, Amplified Classic reads, Joshua asked the Israelites, how long will you be slack to go in and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Notice the past tense, the Lord has given you, but you're slack to go in and possess it. Wow. Wow. How many things are out there for us that the Lord's prepared? I mean, made ready. I mean, just put your name on it. But you know, there's an element on our part of the go get it. Go grab a hold of it. Go walk in it. As opposed to thinking that God's just going to go ahead and do everything that God's just going to go ahead and supernaturally grab me out of my chair and make me do something. No, he's not. So sometimes we have uh, misconceptions about the Lord and the way the Lord works. Uh, You know, I've heard multiple times, it's a great statement, uh, two ways not to pray is you don't want to ask the Lord to do something that he's already done. But then the second way is very fitting for what we're talking about here. You don't want to ask the Lord to do something that he told you to do something about. Because if he already told you to do something about something, he's not going to go ahead and change his mind and say, oh, oh, you're too tired. Or you're too scared. Oh, I'll do it for you. No, that's not the way it works. God will not do our part for us. 
He's loving. He's kind. But there's a part of this life that only we can do. We can't, God can't do our believing for us. We're the ones who need to believe. God can't trust for us. We're the ones who need to trust him. And so understand that. And if you do these things, what's the benefit of that you get? You get your promised land. Come on. <laughs> you get the land that flows with milk and honey, whatever that is for you. It's the fulfillment of the plan of God for your life. It's the ultimate goal that God's got for you being here on the planet. Hallelujah. Judges 18, verse 9. We're in Joshua 18. This next one is Judges 18. So they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. What words? that can echo in our ears today. Would you do nothing? God has provided this amazing land for you. It's right there before you for you to go get it. Would you do nothing about it? Would you just wait there and expect it to fall on your head like an overripe piece of fruit coming off the tree? Or are you going to go get it? Come on now. Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. Let's talk about some signs of spiritual laziness. Well, laziness will have you making excuses. It's all right. It's all right. Someone said it's all right. Because I, I know the Lord's messing with us today, but, but it's all right. Your, your daddy loves you. Your, your daddy loves you. And, and as we heed him, we will get so much benefit. Glory to God. So stop making excuses. When you know what you need to do, do it. Rather than come up with excuses why you can't do it. Come on. You know, the book of Proverbs says that uh, the lazy man would say that there's a lion outside and I'm going to be slain in the streets. Imagine that. So coming up with a reason why I can't go out and do what I need to do out there because I looked out my window and there's a lion out there. So I can't go out. And it doesn't just say that once. It says it uh, twice. Uh, This is 26. It's actually in chapter 22 as well. This one says, the lazy man says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. And then the next verse says, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy man on his bed. (laughs) Lord. Well, I don't want to be turned like a door on my bed. But the thing is, is that the lion being outside is not a reason to go out and to not go outside. Opposition can never be a reason for you to not do something. Let me say it again. Opposition can never be a reason for you to not do something. 
The measure of whether you do it or not, is it right? Is it God? If it's right, if it's God, that's all I need to know. I'm going to do it. It don't matter if there's a lion in the street or somebody lying about you in the street. You can't be afraid of opposition and let opposition hold you back. If you know you're supposed to be outside and then you're turning like a door on its hinge in your bed, side to side, trying to get my comfy spot. There's something about being where you're supposed to be. As a matter of fact, that'll keep you out of trouble. Because remember, David, oh, I wasn't planning on this. (laughs) David, at a time when kings go out to war, was on his rooftop looking around and saw Bathsheba taking a bath one night. Now, if David was not home at the time when kings go out to war and he was out where he was supposed to have been, that particular incident would not have taken place. And therefore, in history, she would have just been known as Sheba rather than Bath Sheba. I tell you, it's your fault because when I hang out with you guys, you bring this stuff out in me. It's all your fault. But but, but what are some of the other signs of laziness that we see? Laziness will keep you from initiating, maintaining, and closing the deal. Laziness will keep you from initiating, maintaining, and closing the deal. What about initiating? That's getting, getting things off the ground to begin with. The scripture says that the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. See, desire is good, but desire don't get you off the ground. Desire is the first step of initiation, and it can even be a good desire. So I really want to Go ahead and have a better walk with the Lord this year. I want to be stronger in the Lord than I've been. Well, that's a good desire. But if you desire that, and you desire that as a lazy person, without taking the step to get to where you say you want to go, you will desire and have nothing. Because there's a lack in the initiation. Proverbs 21, verse 25. This is strong. The desire of the lazy man kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. Imagine, he may have a good desire, but his desire kills him because the very thing he desires might be the thing that he really, really needs, but his hands ain't doing anything to get it. He's not doing what it takes to get what he needs. So, don't just want things, not put anything into getting it, and sit there and be disappointed that you don't have it. Can we talk today? Don't just want things, not put anything into getting it, and sit there and be disappointed that you don't have it. If you want, if you, if you want something, take some initiative. You know, there's people in places of the world 
that when they hear that there's a man of God who's yeah, preaching the word and people are being healed under the preaching of the word, people are being healed in that meeting, there's people that are hungry enough to walk through heat and tough terrain, maybe even for several days, to get to that place where they can hear what they need to hear and receive a miracle from the Lord. Now, I'm not saying to you that, that, that you need to go through this, this certain amount of uh, obstacle courses before you can receive something from the Lord. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying, uh, is, is there a point where, where you can go ahead and demonstrate to God how serious you are about something? Or where you're at a point where you want to go ahead and put forth the, the, the minimum amount of any kind of effort, the minimum amount of any kind of seeking, and just expect something to drop on your head. Hebrews 11.6 dawned on me today. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not casually seek him. Not seek him when it's convenient with my schedule. Diligently seek him. So you've got many people who are in a situation where they've not received something from the Lord and would have an attitude with God over it when they did not in the first place diligently seek him. They might have put uh, you know, I checked the interested box. And that's about as far as you went with God. You checked the interested box. Oh, I'm interested in that blessing. How interested? I said, how interested? I said, how interested? Are you diligently seeking God? So like I said, just to be clear, I'm not saying that God wants you to go through an obstacle course every time you need something from him. But, but you know, I, I think it's good for us to look at ourselves and say, how serious am I about the way I'm seeking God? How serious am I if, if I say that I need something from the Lord or desire something from the Lord? How serious am I about getting that thing? Because you know what? God responds to faith God responds to hunger. When somebody's hungry, really, really hungry, they go the extra mile for what they're hungry for. As opposed to say, I can't go to church today because it's raining out. Hey, hey, hey. All right. So that's initiating. What about maintaining? So a lot of times, uh, laziness will keep you from not just initiating, but if you, if you got to the point where you got it started, all right, we got something started, but laziness will also keep you from maintaining. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18 says this, because of laziness, the building decays and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. 
It's not that there was no building. It's not that there was no house. Because clearly there was. But the building decayed and the house leaked because of laziness, laziness and idleness of hands. Maintenance. Not just getting something started, but maintaining it once it gets started. Well, I got to a good point in my spiritual life where I'm, uh, I'm on a good, good track with my spiritual disciplines and, you know, uh, knowing that I need God every day and spending time with him every day and hearing the word and reading the word and so on. And, uh, but, but then if you don't maintain then it's easy to just get sucked right back up into old patterns, old habits, old ways of thinking, old ways of doing. And what happens? The building decays and the house leaks. Repairs need to be done. However, if you maintain, so look at it like this, even on your house or your car, If you maintain, it can be a whole lot less costly than letting the thing just go downhill and downhill and downhill and then trying to do something about it. Like your oil change, that's called maintenance, right? And if you don't get your oil changed and you keep on driving your car and you don't get your oil changed and you keep on driving your car, What happens? You're going to go ahead and destroy your car. Where you may need more than repair, you may need an entirely new car. And one thing could have saved you. Maintenance. Well, I got to tell you, oh, glory to God. Somebody in in, in their spiritual life has been living like that where you've been keeping on driving and keeping on driving and you've not been maintaining. But today, the Lord says to you that he wants to anoint you with fresh oil. Talk about an oil change. He wants to anoint you with fresh oil. (sighs) Glory to God forever. Realize this, the same people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that they were filled with the Spirit again in Acts chapter 4. What's that called? That's called maintenance. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is success or wherein is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And the the tense of that word filled, meaning a constant, uh, ever flowing, ever being filled. It's it's not a one-time deal. Be continually filled with the spirit. What's that called? That's called maintenance. You will make sure that there's never, uh, when you check the dipstick and there's no oil in there, no, you're going to be constantly filled with oil when you are continually filled with the spirit. Come on. God, just talk to somebody. Don't miss him when he's talking to you. Hallelujah. All right. So that's maintenance. What about closing the deal? So we've got 
Laziness can keep you from initiating. It can keep you from maintaining, but it also can keep you from closing the deal. Well, closing the deal in scriptural terms, and especially the scripture being written in an agricultural uh, context, you can look at closing the deal as harvest time. Mm. Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. You know, it's interesting. It's not that there's not busyness on the farm at any other time. But when it comes to harvest time, woo, all hands on deck. You don't want to leave stuff out there that's ripe, that doesn't get picked. You don't want to leave stuff out there that that, uh, you don't get the benefit of, either the benefit of getting to eat it yourselves or the benefit of being able to sell it to others or share it with others. There's something about harvest time. There's a diligence that goes along with it where harvest time, when it happens, the, the watermelon out in the field don't just go ahead and suddenly show up on the kitchen or don't just so, suddenly get showed up in that nice glass bowl getting cold in the refrigerator perfectly cut. No, it don't happen. Somebody needs to go get that watermelon. Somebody needs to wash off that watermelon. Somebody needs to cut that watermelon and put it in the refrigerator. And ain't nothing like when it's cold on a hot summer day. Hey, oh, yeah. So there's ripe fruit everywhere. And all you need to do is pick the fruit. And there you go, sleeping right through harvest. Let it not be. Someone say, close the deal. Close the deal. Yeah, you, you don't want to get something started and then drop it. You want to maintain it. But then there, there's that something about bringing something all the way through to completion. Because in the eyes of God, you can go ahead and have planted something. You can go ahead and, and, and have uh, watered it and, and, and seen it go and seen it grow to the point where it's ready to be harvested. And then at harvest time, Oh, I'm tired. I think I'm going to take a nap. You're taking your nap too early. Because if, if you leave it alone and you don't go get it, you won't have it. My glory to God. Let's talk more about this harvesting. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He'll beg during harvest and have nothing. Not plowing because of winter. It's too cold out there. Not plowing because, well, you know, the, the ground's so hard. And it, it, it's so hard. I don't want to go break up that ground because it's too hard. Well, what's going to happen? Harvest time will come around. And he'll be begging and have nothing because he didn't do that preliminary step that he needed to take even before the seed gets sown to make sure that he has a harvest. Let's take another look. The book of Proverbs. Proverbs will clean your clock, somebody. Hey. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. There's one of those words. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer 
and gathers her food in the harvest, provides supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. You know, there are several things here. One thing you see is the idea of thinking ahead, providing supplies in the summer. You know, one time in my driveway, I saw, and this was just last year, I believe, I saw an ant carrying something that was about three times the size of its body. You ever see that before? This ant was carrying something bigger than itself. What was he doing? He was providing supplies in the summer. And I want you to know that there are things that you can do when the sun is shining that you just can't do during a storm. There are things that you can do during the sunny season that you just can't do in the rainy season. And I believe God's not just talking about the the doing of things to us as much as he's also talking about timing as well. Recognizing windows of opportunity. Now, you can take the word and obey the word anytime. But there's something about when God specifically says, do something now. Don't miss it when God says now. That window of opportunity. A lot of times, and I'll just go with this. A lot of times in my life, I have seen where I'm walking along and uh, I I feel God uh, getting me ready for something. You know, where he'll plant something on my heart. It might even be the the idea of uh, dropping the seed of checking on somebody. And of course, a big part of pastoring and shepherding people is is sometimes you say, hey, what's up? Checking up on you. And sometimes the Lord will just go ahead and plant some seeds, kind of prime you up. And then there comes a moment where there's such a sense of urgency in the spirit. And you just sense the Lord saying, now, now, now. And so many times, so many times following that pattern and going with it when the Lord said now. What kind of response do you get? Oh boy, you just don't know how perfect God's timing is that you would reach out to me on a day like today. It's amazing how often that happens. But that's why it's not just about doing something, but it's doing something within God's season of do it now. That window of time, that window of opportunity that can potentially be missed. You don't want to miss it. Amen. Amen. And you don't have to be afraid of missing it. As long as you just got your radio tuned in to the Lord, your antennas tuned into heaven, you're listening to the spirit that lives on the inside of you. And when he says go, you go. And not, uh, you you know, you just got to not think about it. You know, we we think about things too much. We think about, well, that, that might just be me. Well, well, here's the thing. What risk is there? What risk is there? That might just be me. Well, then somebody might think, well, praise the Lord. They checked on me today. They're really nice. 
So somebody's praying for me today. That's really nice. And they may not even think about it at the moment. Then a few hours later, they say, boy, I'm so glad somebody's praying for me today. See, we can't think about it. It's kind of like what they teach you for fire safety. Stop, drop, and roll. When God says it's now, you stop, drop, and roll. Are you with me on that? Hallelujah. Now, laziness will result in things being left to themselves or not carried through to completion. Things being left to themselves or things being not carried through to completion. Things that are left alone, like a, whether it's your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, or even natural things, whatever it might be. Things that are left alone and not tended to end up in a state of disrepair. Things that are left alone and not tended to end up in a state of disrepair. Now, let me say something that's a strong statement. Doing nothing will tear something down as though you went and tore it down intentionally. The result of doing nothing is the same as though you tore it down intentionally. Because if you leave something alone, something that's left alone, it's going to go ahead and do what that house did. It's going to leak and it's going to go ahead and start falling apart because it was left alone. It was not maintained. So doing nothing is not an option. When things that God wants us to not just initiate, but maintain, but then bring it all the way through to harvest, bring it all the way through to completion, bring it all the way through to the finish line. Now, oh boy, so much I'd like to say. I think we'll go ahead and go to this one more thing here. One thing that the scripture talks about that's the result of leaving things undone or half done is it produces thorns. Interesting. Thorns, the result of leaving things undone or half done. Let's just look at one example here. Thorns because of a job that's not brought to completion. Numbers 33 and 55. Now this is talking about when they're going into the promised land. So just because you're going into your promised land don't mean you don't have any more fights. There's still battles to fight in the promised land. That's why the old timers used to think the promised land was a picture of going to heaven. But if you read the Bible carefully, hey, wait a minute. The Bible makes it clear there's a whole lot of battles to fight in that promised land. So the promised land, rather than be the picture of getting to heaven, is the picture of you getting into your destiny here on earth in this life. Side note there. Here we go. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Things that are left undone 
Oh, Lord. Things that God told you to dealt with that you didn't deal with and you let them hang around and keep on hanging around will be thorns in your sides. A continual irritant and they will continue to harass you. I don't want that, do you? No, no. So that's thorns due to something that is left half done, partially done, but not carried all the way through to completion. Proverbs 24. This is about thorns that take place when something is left to itself. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and there was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So when laziness produces thorns in areas of your life, one thing you've got to do is you've got to do something about clearing that ground because you don't want thorns to inhabit your garden and to invade the space of your garden. You want good stuff and good fruit in your garden. So you got to clear the ground of those thorns so that you can prepare to sow good seed in its place. And I believe that one thing that the Lord in his kindness is doing today is he's pointing out to us those areas where we've been lazy and have allowed thorns to grow. Uh, uh, We've left something alone and thorns grew. We left something half done and thorns are now infesting that space. You know, it's interesting the call that God gave the prophet Jeremiah And if you want to read about this, you can just go to the first chapter of Jeremiah and see it in there for yourself. But God gave him six things that he wanted him to do. Four of them had to do with uprooting things and tearing things down. Two of them had to do with building and planting. It's interesting how Sometimes you got to do twice the amount of work to get out old junk before you can even plant the good stuff God wants planted in your life. It's true. But don't be discouraged by that. Just get to work. Roll up your sleeves. Get out in the garden. Put those gloves on. You won't get cut by some thorns now, so you got to have your gloves on, you know. And time to start tearing some stuff out. Now, it is a process. But this is very much called the renewing of the mind. Hey, it is. This is when you're clearing out old stuff, clearing out stuff that doesn't belong, and it needs to be cleared out. You can't just throw the word on top of it. Why not? You can't just throw the word on top of it because of the parable of the sower. 
Jesus said, some of that seed fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Perfectly good seed. But it's thrown on thorns and did not grow. Luke 8, 14 says this. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they've heard go out in a choke with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Think about that. So you can't just go ahead and start throwing good seed on, on top of thorns. You got to clear out those thorns. Get those out of the way. Get that soil ready. And then plant that good seed. Because you see, thorns are very much a sign of a job not being brought to completion. We saw that, right? So think about this. And in line with what we've just read, put that Luke 8, 14 up here. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. I know I skipped a verse, but it's, it's still in there. So when you think about uh, that uh, thorns being a sign of a job that's not brought to completion... The result of that, the result of throwing good seed on top of thorns, look at it. It brings no fruit to maturity. So the very idea of a job not brought to completion produce thorns in your life. You throw seed on top of that, what happens? The fruit doesn't come to maturity either. The fruit doesn't come to completion either. In the very same place where you left the job half done and you throw seed on top of that, now you got fruit. That is half done. Fruit that is not fully developed. What do you got to do? You got to do some clearing of the ground. Clearing out the thorns. Breaking up that soil. Make sure we got good ground. And then when you plant good seed and good ground, you're not going to have those issues anymore. Hallelujah. You're you're not going to have anything blocking the way or uh, uh, inhibiting the success of the seed of the word in your life. No, you got those things out of the way, and now good things can grow in its place. Hallelujah. But one thing about laziness, wherever we've allowed laziness in our life, and therefore we have the results of laziness, thorns growing, uh, walls being broken down, there's work to do. But don't be afraid of the work. Don't beat yourself up and say, oh, I've allowed all these thorn patches in my life. And now what am I going to do? How could I ever go ahead and get things right? Well, let me tell you, there's somebody who wore a crown of thorns on his head. And with him, with him, anything that needs to be repaired can be repaired. Because don't forget even though you got a part in it, even though you've got a, a, a part to play, you can't repair it by yourself. You can't repair it by yourself. Neither can I. That's why the scripture says that we are laborers together with him. Because nobody understands better than the Lord the part that he's got in it and the part that you have in it. And if you need any clarity, all you got to do is say, Lord, what is it that I need to do? He makes that very clear. He makes that very clear in the word. But if you're tuned into him in your spirit, you'll hear it. You'll know it. The leading of the Lord will direct you right where you need to go so that anything that is a result now of things that have been left half cooked, half done, 
or maybe not even initiated at all. But in a lot of cases, we have good intentions, get something going, and then drop the ball. But glory to God, hope is not lost. Because your father, laboring together with you, knows how to clear the garden, break up that soil, clear out the thorns, plant good seed. Good seed will produce good fruit in your life. Glory to God. There's so much more we can say. We might talk about this again sometime in the month of October. But uh, for today, I, I, I believe that God has really planted some things in our heart that, that, that are just so vital to our success in our life with him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you. We give you glory and praise. Lord, we realize we can't do this without you. Lord, we realize there's parts that, that are ours to do. But Lord, if we don't have your help and your leading and your guidance, Lord, we're just going to go ahead and be uh, going like blind men here and there not knowing what to do. But Father, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be going around wandering, wondering. We thank you, Lord, that we can have definitive, clear direction from your word and from your spirit on just what need to do, what steps need to take. And Lord, we believe that we can go ahead and have these things removed from our life and not have to go through the rest of our life with the thorns, not to have to go the rest of our life with the with the haunting results of things that were left undone or, or half done or things that never got started that should have got started a long time ago. But Father, we believe, Lord, that here, if you care enough to correct us, Father, then you care enough and you have the strength in you to help us to make it right and to get it back on track. And so, Lord, we're not here today discouraged we're here today encouraged. You know, if you're watching on live stream today and uh, the Lord's talked to you and has ministered to you today, I, I tell you, we would absolutely love to be able to have some contact with you, whether, whether you want to go ahead and re- receive the Lord as your Savior for the very first time, or if you would like to go ahead and uh, just uh, talk to us about the way that God's dealt with you today, about some of the things that we ministered. We would absolutely love that opportunity. You can contact our office, 508-336-4110. It is so important. We realize the decisions that you make that affect eternity are so important. And we want to be able to be there for you and minister to you through that. So, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us and contact us. But for those in the house today, I just have it in my heart that as we go, um, you know, sometimes you can hear a word and then go have lunch or brunch or what are you going to do and forget about it. But if you, if you need to go ahead and uh, just uh, settle some things with the Lord right here today before you go, the, the, the front of this church is open. And I invite you. Now, you know, nobody's going to look at you, point at you and say, oh, there's, there's a lazy person. No, no, because God has dealt with all of us about things that need to be dealt with in our life today. Oh, boy, and I mean us. So I tell you, today 
as we're preparing to, to dismiss, if you need time to talk with the Lord about some things and settle some things with him, don't hesitate to do it. Because this is a ripe atmosphere. And he doesn't want you to go thinking that you're on this by yourself. Lord, I got this mess to clear up. What do I do? No, he wants to help you. He wants to show you. And that time with him, oh, it's so precious. Because he will go ahead and step by simple step, show you where to go, show you what to do, so that you can get to the point where that garden is now clear of thorns and that ground is broken up and not hard anymore. And now good seed can be planted and good fruit can be produced. So if that's you, today as we go, don't hesitate. I'm not going anywhere, but these altars are open for you. Amen. Stand with us.